Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Danny Ryan. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm your host, Danny Ryan, typically the host of every Monday edition of Offsides right here on RowanRadio.com Channel 2. But I have a bit of a privilege today. I get to host the Wednesday show because Aaron Hook, well, he had some other commitments tonight. And we're not going to disclose those, perhaps some rec league basketball over at uh, the Rowan University Rec Center. And I get it. I'm signed up on a team, too, so I'm covering for Aaron today. And I'm joined alongside two distinguished young men in the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Two, or actually, I was going to say to my right, but right in front of me is Sam the Prince. Sam Prince, thank you for joining me today. And then joining me virtually via Zoom, it's Josh Counts. Fellas, I appreciate you joining me today on really a huge day, a huge couple of days of NFL news and a little bit of NBA news. And we'll touch on that as we approach the NBA trade deadline. But as soon as everyone woke up this morning, they saw a headline. I woke up around, I think, 8.40 this morning, and I immediately saw a headline. Also, I apologize for the sniffling. As, uh, if you know me around the Rowan area, I'm going through a bit of a, a getting off a of sickness right now. So, um, But no, I mean, crazy day of sports news, specifically in the National Football League. Tom Brady retires for the second time, and there's a lot of talk about, is he actually retired this time? Is he going to unretire again? Even me and you were talking about, Sam, in the conference studio, what was the point in divorcing Giselle if he was just going to retire at the end of the season? An interesting, an interesting, to say the least, uh, occurrence this morning. It happened around 8 a.m. What were your initial, What was your initial reaction, Sam? I mean, it took the world by storm, but his video he posted was kind of dull. It was just, I already wrote my script last year. I can't write it again. I'm done for good this time. Danny, at first, I was like, okay, this is fake. He's going to retire for a month and say, I'm coming back. And have a Michael Jordan, I'm back, Instagram post. But then after seeing a lot of posts about it, and then rewatching it, seeing that he was crying in it, I think he's actually done. I can't believe I'm saying this. We're never going to be able to see TB12 take the field again. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm not going to put anything past the man after Adam Schefter broke the news last year. And the reports were that he wasn't happy, he wasn't able to break the news himself, and then he unretired, obviously, came back this season, went 8-9, and nine, and was a first-round exit to the Dallas Cowboys. Not ideal if you are Tom Brady in your final season, but at some point you have to decide when you want to hang up the cleats. He thought he decided that last year, but he really decides it this year. Posted to Twitter and all his social medias, and his ex-wife Giselle even said, you know, I, I wish the best of luck to you in your next chapter of life, and well, that chapter could have been with her, but uh, no longer. And Josh, I'll bring you into the conversation. Once again, thanks for joining us here today. But hey, Tom no Brady problem. retiring from the NFL for the second time, but he played to the age of 45, and he's decided he's ready to hang up the cleats. What was your initial reaction when you saw this news waking up this morning? Um, shocking, like shocking, because I remember I literally, the first thing I would do when I wake up is check Twitter and check, you know, all the sports news and um, I, I put it in our group chat to say, "Yo, Tom Brady's done." And like Sam, I watched the uh, I watched the video a couple times, and I'm not gonna. I was like, I was I didn't believe it at first because as part of me still doesn't believe it because I feel like I've told many people this that I feel like Tom Brady's a modern day Brett Favre that he's gonna retire for one month, two months, come back because he's so obsessed with the the sport of football. 
they I don't think he excuse me I don't think he knows what to do after it's all said and done but hearing you know all the analysts I've been watching so many all everybody's every 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 sports talk show and and America's been bringing all their former all the former Patriots and they've been discussing like no this is it like they've been highlighting that for a good part in the end of that video and it's like like Sam said I think this is the end of TB12 but I think and he's always highlighted that Tom Brady's always highlighted that 45 was the target number. Mm -hmm. But I think this year was a very hard year for him, like harder than any other, because as we mentioned, the Giselle divorce, uh, that was publicized by them, but it was also the level of play that like he, we all saw that he was not Tom Brady anymore, that he was cooked. And it, like, it comes a point in time and the athlete like, yo, you get, like, you get to a certain point in your career that you're and a certain point in your body is that your your body can no longer do it anymore. Yeah, and you know, it's crazy we sit here and we talk about how he really wasn't himself this season, even though he threw for four thousand six hundred and ninety-four yards, twenty-five touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's a terrific year for any other quarterback in the league. But it's not the Tom Brady precedent, you know, forty plus touchdowns, five thousand plus yards. 10 interceptions are a little bit above that. That's what we've been used to seeing from Tom Brady over the past few years, at least with the Buccaneers. He wasn't quite hitting those numbers in New England, but quite frankly, he didn't have to with the scheme that was uh, built over in New England by head coach Bill Belichick. But, you know, it, it's crazy, too, because last year, the same exact day, it was when Adam Schefter announced that he was retiring. One year to the day, February 1st, 2022. And so he waited a whole entire year until he could announce it himself Posts a video to Twitter, very short. I believe it was just a little over 30 seconds. And um, Yeah, it was very, very short. And as Sam brought up, I mean, you could hear the emotion in his voice when he was thanking the people that got him there, that have attributed, you know, the people he attributes his success to throughout his career. I mean, that's honestly part of why I think he's truly done as well. You don't post a video, you know, on Twitter and send it out to all your social media platforms of you choking up mid-speech or, you know, mid-retirement post to, you know, undo that again. I feel like you can't undo it twice. And, you know, Michael Jordan had his time where he, quote-unquote, retired, even though he just went to go play a different sport, came back, won three more rings. So I, I just don't think that, you know, Brady's— let's not, the, let's not forget the second time he retired and came back to play with the Wizards. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Hey, can you imagine if Tom Brady were to do that and not go to a team like the Buccaneers? I know the Niners were kind of floated in there as a possible QB situation over there for Tom Brady, but I'm about to say it's a. I think you had it on your in your on your itinerary that we're going to discuss the teams, and I got a lot to say about that because it's got question marks now going into next season for a lot of teams with quarterback situation, quarterback situations. Yeah, no doubt about it, and you know we'll, we'll obviously talk about the quarterback situation over in Houston and the Texans after hiring D'Amico Ryan's as their new head coach. We'll dive into that in our second segment, as well as uh, the Denver Broncos quarterback after their recent head coach acquisition. I won't even say signing, acquisition. Uh, and if he can turn Russell Wilson around over in Denver. But now a lot of people, or at least a lot of organizations, were kind of pursuing Tom Brady. Not even kind of, they were pursuing him. He was a free agent. If he didn't retire, San Francisco would have been a nice place for him. You know, you take a look at a few other teams that have a quarterback uh, question mark. Anybody could use a Tom Brady, but he's gone. And so we're going to have to do with that information as we must right now. And we'll, and we'll see where that goes. Last night, I saw a video of Max Crosby talking that he wants Tom Brady to be a Raider. He said, why wouldn't you want Tom Brady as your quarterback? But the news that Derek Carr will not be a Raider anymore. I was for sure with 
the Eagles beating Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game that Tom Brady was going to be a Niner. I didn't buy into that at all, and I said that in the group chat You didn't buy into that? No, I didn't, because everyone wants to make this narrative about that, oh, the Niners need a quarterback, the Niners need a quarterback. No, they don't. They have Brock Purdy, who showed you what he was able to do. They have Trey Lance, who played basically two games as a starter. Not even, well, a game that's and a the, half. Okay, hang on. The, the Brock Purdy thing, I, I'm with you with the Brock Purdy, Danny. Mm-hmm. But the the Trey Lance is like a huge, like that is a huge question mark. Because we still haven't seen anything from Trey Lance yet. Exactly. Even and that's him. my point. You haven't seen anything from him. So why would you throw him out the window quite yet? I'll agree with you that it's a question mark. And Sam, I'll get to you soon. You're, you're uh, waving your hands over at me, but... That's exactly my point. You haven't seen what he's able to do in a system like that. The first game he played in was an absolute just thunderstorm over in Chicago. The second one, he tore his ACL. And so, you know, he might not be the same runner when he comes back from that torn ACL, but I doubt that as well because with the way these ACL surgeries are advancing over the past few years, I think Mm -hmm. Trey Lance has a huge, you know, possibility to be a great starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Guys, I'm a huge Trey Lance fan. I think he'll be fine. He'll be a great quarterback in this league. But if you're John Lynch and you had a call from Tom Brady or his agent mm-hmm. that said, hey, this is going to be my final season. I want to play for the Niners. Are you we'll really going to say no to Brady again? No, you don't no, say no. no. But this narrative that they need a quarterback. No, they don't need a quarterback. They don't. But would you say no to Brady? That's no, the- nobody would say no to Tom Brady. If the Philadelphia Eagles got that call, they'd say, Jalen, you're sitting on the bench for a year, and we're going to learn behind Brady and get even better. Well, I, I, I made jokes to my brother mid-season for the Giants that, oh, what if Tom Brady would be a Giant? Oh, my gosh. That would never happen. You know oh, that it. Would never no, happen. We, just, we made jokes back. <laughs> my brother said, I'd order his jersey right away. Oh, gosh. That's a farewell. A fair, I meant to say fair weather Giants fan if he's going to wear a Tom Brady Giants jersey. Just how, how is my brother a, a fair? My brother is a huge Dale Jones fan. But I get it. I get it. But you dethroned him twice. He's an enemy of the New York Giants uh, fan base. But, okay. What if he goes to your team? Then how are you a fair weather fan if he sides with the team? Honestly, you're right. It's not the fans' fault at that point. It's a fair weather organization at that point. So The Giants organization? If they were to do make a move like that, yeah. I mean, come on. The whole debate between, really, the late 2000s into the teens was Eli Manning versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It was like Eli Manning, this much less talented quarterback, taking down the greatest of all time, possibly, in Tom Brady. That I was about to say, there. that's like one of the lowest moments in Tom Brady's career. Yeah, that would be a low moment for Brady, not the Giants organization, Danny. Let's just be honest. That was never happening. Oh, no. It was just a thought. 100%. And, I mean, a lot of teams, I'm sure, were thinking about Tom Brady leading their offense you know, in the 2023-24 season, but like we've been talking San about. San Fran made the most sense because of not just the team, but because of the history that he has with the city. Yeah. Uh, he's from the – I think he's from the San Francisco area, grew up a Niner fan, Joe Montana fan. So that that that's why, like, I believe, like, yo, if he's leaving Tampa, he's going to the 49ers. Yeah. And, and plus they got the most stacked team in the, in the NFL. And that would have been a good fit. Their line would definitely need to be bolstered up a little bit more. I mean, aside from Armstead, it's a very – weak line over there in San Francisco. So to, in order for a pocket passer like Brady to really succeed in that system, you know, there's not a lot that you have to improve in that system, but the one spot would be offensive line, especially with a guy who can't really get out of the pocket. And, you know, honestly, that's why I thought all along that just having a quarterback battle with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance was the move for the San Francisco 49ers because, one, Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft, came out of nowhere. I mean, 
not only did he look good, but he looked seasoned. He looked so seasoned out there like a veteran, and so you're getting that out of a rookie who led your team to what? Seven straight wins when he was the starter? That's unbelievable. It's unheard of. But at the same time, you have to take into consideration the investment the 49ers have put into a guy like Trey Lance. Three first-round picks and more. I believe a third was thrown in that deal as well. So, But, Danny, let's just say, and Josh, let's just say Brock beat the Eagles and won the Super Bowl. Let's just say, if you're John Lynch, what do you do? You stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh-huh. no, you stick. That's just like I feel like that's an unwritten rule in the NFL, you know, like because the Eagles stuck with Nick Foles the year after two, they easily could have gotten an upgrade at quarterback, and so I mean Wentz was healthy, but when he went out, they kept Nick Foles in there as the backup to just fill in his spot. I was literally just about to say the same exact thing, like that they did the same thing. Yep. Nick Foles when they went into went into the next year, I believe starting, mm-hmm. and then like that that went through the whole QB carousel, and that led to you know the Doug Peterson firing, left ultimately. Uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts come. I mean, it's crazy to even think about the Nick Foles Carson Wentz saga in Philadelphia. It seems like forever ago, right? Ten years ago or something like that. Because it's just the complete landscape of the franchise has changed. Even after winning a Super Bowl, the way they were able to reconstruct that team was just crazy. But um, just rekindling back into the Brady talk real quick, I do want to ask you guys, and especially you, Sam, because I know you're going to have some interesting memories of Sir Thomas Brady, but. Josh, I'll start with you. What is your best and worst memory of Tom Brady? Now, it could be against your favorite team. It doesn't have to be against your favorite team. But overall, when you think of your best memory of Tom Brady in the NFL and your worst memory of Tom Brady in the NFL, what comes to mind? I think I'll start with the best. Okay. My best moment would be the comeback. And I, I'm the comeback against Atlanta. That would be my best moment because I, I remember watching that game and I'm literally thinking – after the halftime, like this is going to be the worst loss in Tom Brady's career, and it has to come in, has to be at the place that he dominated for over a generation, which is the Super Bowl. Because because he's only lost really two Super Bowls. He's only lost to Eli Manning, which Sam will get into. But yeah, before that Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. So he goes, he wins against uh, he wins against Atlanta in that huge comeback. That twenty-one, I think it was yeah, twenty-one point deficit or something like that. Twenty-eight to three, yeah. Twenty-eight so to three. Twenty-five comes points. back and just wins. Up. That was his what fifth Super Bowl, sixth Super Bowl. That was his sixth because he won his seventh in Tampa. So yeah, he had a chance for the seventh against the Eagles, and no. obviously we saw that was his fifth. Because wait, okay. did he get a six against LA? No, he got the six in Atlanta against the Rams. It was number so the, five yeah. that passed Joe Montana. That's right. You're right. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't keep yeah, up yeah, with this guy's was, winning, yeah. man. I mean. So you're right. So the seventh was in Tampa. Six, mm-hmm. you said, was the Rams victory, and then five was the Atlanta one, right? Yep. Okay. So yeah, it, it was just like I was like, bro, that's really that's when he solidified himself as he was one of the goats. But he literally, when he got that fifth, he solidified himself as the goat. Because mm-hmm. now you got five Super Bowls. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's a wrap. It's crazy. And, uh, it's just unbelievable how he was even able to do that. That comeback alone. I mean, and it has in terms of the worst. I mean. I'm a Colts fan, so every time he went up against the Colts, it was it was unless you had Peyton Manning back there, it was a wrap. And even then, it was still it was difficult. So it, I noticed, like I can't think of a exact moment, but it was just every every time he went up against the Colts, he just blew them out. Sam, what do you think? I mean, I already know what your best memory is going to be the two My Super best? Bowls, but well, you said memory. I have to, do I have to choose one or do I... I'll challenge you. Choose one. I'm gonna go with Super Bowl Forty Six. Okay. And why is that? Because I remember the game 
clear. Okay. Because I was more of a fan then. All right. Super Bowl 42. I didn't really know. I knew the Giants were playing Brady, but I didn't realize at the time that he was 18-0 looking for a perfect season. How old were you in Super Bowl 42? So that was 2008. I believe so. I was five. Wow. Yeah, that's around the age I was when the Phillies won their first World Series or second World Series first uh, in the 2000s. I was a little older in 2012, so I knew a little bit more about it. But still, I wasn't a huge Giants fan yet. But my worst memory of Brady, it's hard. So I used to be a huge Brady hater. Humongous. I was just jealous of him. But after the years, I learned to appreciate him and like him. It's weird. I mean, me as well. And it kind of ties into what Josh said about the comeback against Atlanta. That, I think, really just won Tom Brady or won a lot of people over with the Tom Brady love because, as Josh said, he kind of solidified himself as a potential GOAT in this league, if not the GOAT with that fifth one. I I said the GOAT. It was already one of the GOATs. He, when he beat Atlanta and made that comeback, it, it was official. He is the GOAT. I remember that night specifically, too. It took social media by storm. It was like, this guy is unreal. I wasn't on Instagram yet. Okay, fair enough. I No, I, that was like the year I just got it. No, sorry. That was the year I just got Instagram. How Shame. old were you when that Super Bowl happened, Sam? In Super Bowl 51? I believe that was in. I was 14. Okay. Dang. That makes sense. You were you were just old. Danny, we're old. Yeah, seriously. I, I was in man. seventh grade. Wow. So you were just entering eighth grade. That's yeah. crazy. So, but my worst easily has to be Super Bowl 49 because that's where my hatred of Tom Brady started. And why is that? Because he tied the Gi- the Patriots tied the Giants with four Super Bowls. Yeah, that's pretty heart wrenching. Yeah, but I just hate the Patriots now. I don't hate Brady. Fair enough. I mean, the Patriots, as far, as long as Belichick's going to be in that building, well, there's always like, going to be a piece of Brady as well. It's just like, okay, their fans think that the greatest franchise of all time, you had 20 good years. Look at them before and look at them after Brady. Yeah. Brady is their franchise. I don't disagree with that, but that 20-year window, not many NFL teams have replicated. No, you, you won't. But you're saying just because they had 20 good straight years to the greatest NFL franchise of all time? I mean, they won six championships with one quarterback and one head coach. No, no, that's unbelievable. Oh that, no, they, it, they are looked at as the greatest franchise. They, of the they're not. Do you think the Giants are the greatest franchise? No, of I don't. Who do you think? Then the who's the greatest franchise? franchise, Sam? I think it's the Packers and the Steelers. I guess they can no ever or of the generation, ever. All the agree, NFL. I can agree with the Steelers, one hundred percent. I can agree with the Steelers, not the Packers. No yeah. way. Packers not are the Packers. up there. No, they're not. No, they're not. I don't think they've quite inserted themselves into that category yet, but the Steelers 100% have a chance to be battling with the, you know, the New England Patriots is one of the greatest. So just because you have six Super Bowls. I will put the Cowboys ahead of the Packers. I will put the Giants up there. I will put the Eagles up there. No, you can't put the Eagles up there. That, that's coming from an Eagles fan. We have one it's, Super Bowl. Exactly. Have they two. might have two. At, they might have two that come next week, but they, no way. They will have two, and I already predicted they're winning that game. I, I see us getting – not us. I see the Eagles. Uh, are you are you on the – so, I mean, are you on the Eagles – I mean, like, Dan, are you an Eagles player now? Are you us? Yeah. I, I have a bad habit of saying that, but uh, – no, the Eagles, I think that defensive line is going to be too much for Patrick Mahomes and that offensive line trying to protect him. And I think they will have two Super Bowls by the next time we talk on offsides. 
actually, there's going to be an offsides the day after, and I'll be hosting it. So I'll be uh, able to either clown myself or absolutely just boast. Wait, are we my... having offsides next week? Yeah, we're having offsides next week, but the week yeah. after oh, it's like, is going like... to be the Monday that follows Super Bowl Sunday. So I would. I don't know. I, I was very happy to see All Mahomes right. win. Very quickly, I'll give my best and worst memories of Tom Brady. My best memory of Tom Brady. This is so tough because Josh made a good point with the Atlanta comeback, but my best memory of Tom oh. Brady, Brandon Graham strip-sacking him to basically propel the Eagles momentum-wise to win that game. And I mean, when you think Brandon Graham in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform, I mean, it's only the uniform he's ever played in, but you automatically think of that strip-sack and you know forcing him to fumble there. All-time great moment in Eagles franchise history. All-time low moment in Tom Brady history. So it was nice to just get that on him. And my worst memory of Tom Brady of all time, man, I don't think I can say anything other than the 2004 Super Bowl when they edged out the Eagles by three points. I mean, oh, <laughs> Danny, but did you watch the game? No, but I, I was two years old, Sam. I have to go onto the YouTube archives to kind of look at that. YouTube but... archives. Are you that? Just... I remember. I can tell you for a fact. I remember that Super Bowl 2004 because I was born 98. Mm-hmm. I feel so old next to you guys. Dang. Danny <laughs> saying he's two years old. 2004 is nasty to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm an uh, I was one. Uh, but I, that was also the end of Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens. That was the end of that that mm-hmm. that duo because it was that they the Eagles was the best team in the in the NFC for a long time during that run. Because yeah, they had T.O., McNabb, Andy Reid was the best coach next to Belichick, next to Belichick, and they just could not beat the Patriots, and that was it after that. Yeah, it was definitely— They couldn't recover. It was, it was heart-wrenching, and and it was just tough because all the rumors, too, about the Spygate were kind of flying that year with the Patriots and Brady. Oh, yeah, there's And that. so that's why that, that kind of you know just burdens a little bit more. And if they had a Super Bowl in that 2004 season, the franchise straight up does not get clowned as much as they have before that 2017 Super Bowl because it was brutal between the years of 2004 and 17, just how much, shut up, you don't have a Super Bowl, shut up, you don't have a Super Bowl, when knowing dang well they had a championship. I can't even call it a Super Bowl because they changed the name, but they had a championship trophy. And, uh, well, you couldn't use that argument because it wasn't valid. Well, you know, Danny, you won one ring. Now you got to act like you belong. I, we do belong. And, and I'll say we now. And I'll say we because the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I align with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're my allegiance. And we do belong because we're going to get that second Super act Bowl. Act like it. I do act like it. We're I know you do, but some fans don't. Eagles fans? Some fans don't. I don't. I are don't you, know about that, Sam. I'm about are you to say telling a lot of me, Eagles fans act like it? Are you telling like, me Eagles I, fans I, don't act like they're in that conversation? They act like they're better than that. Yeah, I would say that too. I mean, I can agree with that. But if you were I, in saying terms they of fan bases, when we do a topic on worst fan bases and worst being like the, also the best, also, but like y'all terms of the attitude, how fans are. I would say the Philadelphia fan base is up there as one of the worst in terms of like y'all are, y'all come y'all go harder in the paint in terms of what y'all say. I'm like, it was already a report from one of the San Francisco 49ers wife. They she got hit with a lot of stuff and a lot of people don't visit the Philadelphia stadium. It's like ooh. Listen. Hold on, Sam, give me a second here. I need to defend my fan base before we get a break. So Yes, you're right, and there are you know there's that crop of Eagles fans that are prone to doing that and prone to making a fool out of themselves and giving the uh, city of Philadelphia a bad rap. But you know it's not the season ticket holders going to the stadium and doing that. It's not the people that love the team year in and year out. It's the 
you know, what I can't say on the air people that are just corrupting the waters and making it worse for everyone else. So, yes, you're right. As a whole, guilty by association, that fan base can be one of the worst in the NFL, but they also could be one of the best in the NFL with how passionate they are. I will, as much as I dislike the Eagles, Danny and I have had this conversation before. Every fan base has amazing fans and terrible fans. But the Eagles sometimes, they take it a little extreme. Booming Santa Claus, those fans. No, not booing Santa Claus. Throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. Okay. That was crazy. That's even worse. <laughs> Listen, man. That was the vet. That was dark days in Philadelphia yeah, sports okay. history. That gives you guys a bad rap. I think there are more of those kind of fans in your fan base than others. I don't I, think I could say that confidently. And I, and I respect the Eagles fan base a lot as a Giants fan. I really do admire some of it. I will. I'll say it. I don't agree with that because you have the Raiders, you have the Bills. No, I no, I admire your fan base. I get it. I'm not saying it's the best fan base in the NFL. I get it. What I'm saying is to say that they have more people that cause – that type of disturbance or that type of those type of problems at NFL games compared to other fan bases, I could say the same about the Raiders. I could say the same about not the Bills, about, not the Bills. You not could the say Bills. the same thing about the Knicks too, Sam. I, I, I know you're a Knicks fan, I'm, but I'm a Knicks sometimes fan. Sometimes, bro, with we, the go, Giants we went too. crazy. We go, especially in that playoffs against Atlanta, we went crazy. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't say that New York is not nearly as guilty as Philadelphia. Everyone's got it, and only takes one to pollute the waters. So, as much as I'd love to keep talking about this till the end of time, this topic started with Sir Thomas Brady and him retiring from the NFL for the second time. We'll come back from break, talk about that just a little bit more and get our final thoughts, and then we'll move on to some other news from around the NFL. Two new head coaches in Denver and Houston. We'll talk about Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryans, how they're joining their new teams, looking to change the tide over in Houston and Denver. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into Offsides right here on Wednesday, February 1st, top of the month, right here on RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. of a TV show or movie is the soundtrack, then the Sunday matinee is a dream come true. I'm Ellen Hardy, and I'll be there for you every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. to bring you the best of television and movie soundtracks together into three hours of pure awesomeness. So don't you forget about me and the Sunday matinee every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. only here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio, 
WGLSFM, you're tuned in online at RowanRadio.com channel 2 as we hop into our second segment of today's episode of Offsides on Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, top of the month of February tomorrow being Groundhog's Day. We're going to see if we're getting more of winter or an early spring tomorrow, so make sure you uh, tune into your TVs for that if you believe in that type of stuff, but Nonetheless, let's get back to today's episode. I'm your host, Danny Ryan, WGLS-FM Sports Director, joined alongside Sam Prince in person and Josh Counts virtually via the application of Zoom as we hop into our second segment also pertaining to the NFL because that's really what's dominating the media these days until the Super Bowl, or pardon me, until the big game passes. Um, The NBA is probably going to take precedent after the NFL season ends, but We have two new huge coaching hires. Sean Payton traded from the New Orleans Saints, comes out of retirement, and is traded to the Denver Broncos for a hefty package for a head coach. And then D'Amico Ryans, another man who was in the running for the Denver job, he joins the Houston Texans as their head coach on a six-year contract. Now, I'll give my thoughts on really those long-term contracts, why NFL teams are giving coaches these long-term contracts a little bit later, but I want to dive into Sean Payton to Denver. Now, The terms of this deal are the Saints will receive the Broncos' 2023 first-round pick, which is number 29 overall this year, their 2024 second-round pick, and the Saints' 2024 third-round selection will be going to the Broncos. So they're only giving up the 29th overall pick this year, which is basically a second-round pick, and then a 2024 second for Peyton and the Saints' 2024 third-round selection. Not a bad deal for the Broncos if you really think about it. However, with the amount of compensation they gave up in the Russell Wilson deal, and now the compensation they've given up in this deal for Sean Payton, if he can't turn around the Russell Wilson project over there in Denver, what does their future look like? Sam, I'll go to you. I think Sean Payton is the perfect man for this job. He can turn around Russell Wilson. And you saw how Wilson played without Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, the Broncos were a good team, but Wilson looked like his old self before. You could argue that, but at the same time, I mean, there really weren't many bright spots for Russell Wilson last year. I mean, he looked, and I will proudly say I kind of predicted this. I I, I, I did too. I said that the Broncos were going to win six to seven games this year. I didn't quite predict that as far as like the Broncos team prediction, but I predicted the fall off of Russell Wilson. Because if you remember, the Philadelphia Eagles were rumored to be one of the teams that could be a suitor in a trade for Russell Wilson. And obviously, it would be similar to the package that the Broncos gave up, a bunch of third-round picks. And, you know, it's just um, unbelievable the amount they gave up. Now you look at the Philadelphia Eagles situation. They were doubting Jalen Hurts last year. This year, he comes in, plays like an MVP, and leads them to the Super Bowl. I'm proud to say I was right in that regard. Danny, we'll get to Josh. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Danny, let's just say Wilson is an eagle. What do you think of that, and would you have been happy at the time? No. I was the I actually, a video popped up in my Snapchat memories just from one year ago. I called into 94WIP, and they were talking about Russell Wilson, the possibility of him going over to the Eagles in the offseason because their season had ended by that point, and uh, the Seahawks were looking to move on. I called in and said, I don't get this move at all. This team, one, is not a Russell Wilson away from just magically hopping into the Super Bowl. That was before all the defensive signings they made and how they really bolstered the offensive line uh, through the draft. And two, I was not willing to give up on Jalen Hurts quite yet. You saw one starting season of him with a rookie head coach. He led you to the playoffs, lost to the greatest quarterback of all time, and he has the chance to be a mobile dual-threat quarterback. 
when they drafted him, I was confused about it because of Wentz. But once it grew on me, I was all on the Jalen Hurts train, and I'm proud to say that. I own a number two Jalen Hurts jersey. Day, you are a OG Jalen Hurts supporter. Yeah, and uh, so to answer your question, I would have been devastated if they did that, especially with the compensation they would have had to give up. At the time, I guess you could make the argument that Howie Roseman wasn't a great drafter, and what are you going to do with the first-round picks if he can't draft right? But after well, this year's draft, oh, he yeah. proved that completely well, wrong. okay, you don't have A.J. Brown on your team. No, you don't. You don't have two picks this year. Mm-mm. You don't have Jordan Davis. Nope. That's crazy. You're not one quarterback away with the team they had at the time from going to the Super Bowl. Do you still side all those players? No, because then you've got to negotiate a contract with Russell I Wilson still think they signed Hassan Reddick because he's from the Philly area. Maybe. I mean, I'm they about got... to say, shout out to Hassan Reddick. You know, he graduated from my high school, had in high school, now he's in the Super Bowl. So much love there. Yeah, Hassan Reddick, I... That's a tough one to kind of evaluate whether they would have had enough money for him because they got him on a fairly cheap deal considering the production he put out this year with the 16 sacks. Um, but, yeah, Hassan Reddick, just an absolute dog off the edge for the Philadelphia Eagles. We could talk about him at a later date. But, Josh, I'm going to get your thoughts on Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. Overall, what was your initial reaction when this news and both of these signings broke simultaneously one after another? And do you think that Peyton is the right man for the job to turn Russell Wilson around? Uh, I think the Sean Payton news, I believe, broke yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. I want to say, around there. before, like Because Tom Brady obviously broke early this morning. Mm-hmm. But it broke about Sean 10 P- minutes before D'Amico Ryan's to Texas. Yeah, I want to talk about that one too. But um, the Sean Payton one is very interesting because this is now the second straight year where Denver has had to give away a lot to get a certain get somebody. They gave away a whole lot to get Russell Wilson. That didn't pan out right. That ends up in the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. Now where you gave up, a, like the Saints got a whole heist for you to get Sean Payton. And now we're, I, I, Sean Payton is, I think, is a very great, is a very good coach. A great, he's probably a great coach. I don't call, I don't look at him as the best coach. Yeah, he's only got one because Super Bowl. he's only had, he's only got one Super Bowl with Drew Brees, and that's no excuse in my eyes. I will say though, you make that argument, but also Andy Reid has one Super Bowl as well. Think and about he's it. He's the third best head and, coach of all time, and he's up there with you know he's in three. conversation of one of the best you know best head coaches of all time. Certainly not the that goes to Belichick every single day, but. One of, and that's but crazy the, to think the, about. The difference is that Andy Reid got the two Super Bowls. He lost one and won one. Now he's on his third trip. Yeah. So that's the that's the, that's where that's where they separate. But I get what you're saying. But uh, the Sean Payton deal is going to be interesting because I don't know if Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson. Well, Russell, we thought Russell Wilson. If we thought thought Pete Carroll was on a hot seat two years ago, uh, because of. The, like how bad Russell Wilson looked. We all thought, oh, it's Pete Carroll for He's about to go. So they trade Russell Wilson to uh, to uh, to the Denver Broncos. And now we see and they get in the Seattle Seahawks get Geno Smith. Geno balls out. Balls out this year. Has an amazing season. Argument, argument made he could be comeback player of the year. And Russell Wilson has a god-awful year. Well, we're talking, looking at him like he may be cooked. So, and now you get Sean Payton, and yes, he's an offensive juggernaut. He's an offensive genius. They don't have a lot still. Like, them, the Denver Broncos don't have a lot. They still got a lot of pieces they need to fill. The thing and, is, in my opinion, I think they have enough. You know, when you have a receiver like 
Jerry Judy, where you don't really know what his potential looks like quite yet. And then you've got Cortland Sutton, who's basically established himself when healthy as one of the top 15 wide receivers maybe in the league. And so I think, you know, you have that and you combine it with a Javante Williams if he comes back and he looks explosive after that injury. I think they have enough, but I get what you're saying. It's not just insert Sean Payton and now Russell Wilson's a changed man. I agree with that, but... He also has got a good team around him. I don't think the Russell's... defense is amazing. We can't sugarcoat that the, enough. Yeah, the defense is st- the defense is that it's the offensive side of the ball where they got the question marks, and I don't know. That's where Sean Payton comes in. Also, Sean Payton's a no nonsense type of guy. So Russell Wilson's the type of guy that can say the right things, but will oftentimes cannot. Like the same thing we say with Dak Prescott, he can say the right things in a press conference and a podium, but your play is not matching that. Like you got to produce on the field. So, and Sean Payton, you ask anybody, Sean Payton is a no-nonsense type of dude. Now, he's not like Bill Belichick, don't get me wrong, but he is like, yo, I like we don't we don't play around here. We gonna make we gonna practice, we gonna work, and we gonna study, we gonna watch film, and we gonna make sure that this offense is gonna run the way it should be ran. I agree with that. So the year that the Saints became, the year this Drew Brees joined the Saints, that was Sean Payton's also first year, two thousand six. So he knows how to revitalize quarterbacks. He revitalized Drew Brees. People forget that he was not the greatest quarterback on the Chargers. He had a lot of injury concerns. He had a lot of concerns. Was he the guy? I'm not saying that Russell Wilson wasn't the guy, but he's revitalized a Hall of Fame quarterback once. He could do it again with Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, and I think that he's going to look much better than he did last year. Now, how much better that is, I'm not quite sure yet because you can't really get worse than you performed last year for Russell Wilson, um, especially under a offensive-minded head coach just like Sean Payton. I think that he's going to—he's already brewing up what he's going to do to turn this franchise around. So we'll see, obviously, just from week one if this project is working or not or if it's a work in progress. I, to be honest, think that it's going to work out. Now, are they going to get Seattle Russell Wilson? No. I mean, th- those days are behind him, but you don't just forget how to play football like that. You know, his scrambling ability, while it might not be there anymore, his decision-making was very, very bad. I mean, you're talking about record lows for the Broncos. It, it became a norm that they were scoring six to nine points a game, all off field goals, and it's just pathetic at that point. It was pathetic to watch the Broncos. But, guys, the Broncos play the AFC West. They're going to have to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. They're going to have to play Justin Herbert twice Herbert a year. Herbert, too, real quick. I'm sorry to cut you off, Sam, but Danny mentioned the, the the play, and you're 100% right. The play was god-awful. But it was also some of the things I didn't like he was saying at the press conference. Like, he was saying, like, some idiotic stuff that came off as, I'm being the good guy. Like that, I think the trip where they had they went they lost the game in London. Well, oh, I was up before I was up before anybody else working out doing this and that. And it's oh, like, the, he, the yeah. high knees on the plane. Dude, yeah, the high funny. knees. Yeah, I didn't like. It's like uh, he got grow for that, rightfully so. Because I'm like, why does it sound like it's about you instead of the team? Mm-hmm. Josh, I feel like you're spot with that. Multiple Seattle Seahawks players have come out and said that they wouldn't hold Russell Wilson accountable. That Russ would have talked to the players. Well, I will say, though, his wide receiving core at the end of the year went out, went out on Twitter to defend their quarterback, saying, I'm not liking this slander. Russ is the, one of the most hardworking guys, one of the best leaders you'll ever find in the NFL. And so the, the receiving core 
they believe in him. And now that's kind of rare to see when you've got a quarterback who's underperforming. Case in point, the New York Jets. Zach Wilson was underperforming in that wide receiver core. Specifically, was it? They growed him. Well, who was the wide receiver that took the most disliking to it? What, what's his name? Oh, it Elijah was, Moore. Uh, Moore. Elijah Moore. He yeah. straight up was so blatant with the media, his cryptic social media posts. I mean, when f- wide receivers are frustrated enough, and I mean, not all wide receivers, more is his, own, is his own personality in itself, but they will voice it, whether it's to the head coach, hey, get this guy out of here, he really is just done. They see enough to believe in him for the next year. Now, whether or not it's ownership saying, hey, we put a lot of draft picks and money into this guy, you better see him in the future next year. But I feel like those top skill players have a, a bigger say in things than we might think. So they see something in, in training. They see something in practice that needs to be tapped into. And it really is the question, can Sean Payton tap into it? Now we know, I think we can all agree he can tap into it a little bit, but we're going to need a complete reconstruction here of this Denver Broncos offense. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett already with an offensive coordinator job with the New York Jets. Coincidentally, I just brought them up, but uh, we'll see how their offense kind of thrives over there in New York. But it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Well, according to Jets fans, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a, a New York Jet because of that news. Yeah, and we talked about well, that. We don't know about that. Like I, 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 the Aaron Rodgers quarterback situation is. I'm, I'm tired and annoyed about annoyed by it because we did all this last year. But it's going to be very interesting, and I'm very – I can see the Jets, but don't count out two more teams. Oakland, and we'll see – And I would just say Oakland right now. I wanted to say San Fran, but our conversation – I think Brock Purdy is definitely going to be the future for them. But don't count out Oakland. I love the Especially Oakland. The, the Derek Carr is – I think Derek Carr might be headed to Tampa. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. He he seems like a cult to me. Unfortunately, Josh, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, to you. No, I don't. Please, I don't no. see it. I don't see it. I think they came out. They want to draft a young guy. What you don't see? I think Derek I, Carter I, wear in a cult uniform. I, I think so. I, I everybody's pointing to the decision. I think, and I'm with it. Like no more. Stop getting these quarterbacks that are already had their mileage on them, and just let's get it. Like let's get a new car. Let's develop it. Let's fix it. I'm with you, man. All this other stuff, and let, let's figure that out. Since the I'm injury, tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of bringing in quarterbacks. Let's just draft a good quarterback. And I feel for you because you haven't drafted a good one since Andrew Luck. And so yeah. I completely agree with you. But for some reason, I don't think that's the Ursay attitude. I don't. I, I think that he wants a guy who – I mean, where are the Colts picking this year, by the way? Four. Four. You that's have tough. to trade up with the Bears. Yeah, that's tough. I don't think they're going to get one of those top-tier quarterbacks in this draft if they sit at four. Could you imagine if the Bears trade out to four? It wouldn't be a bad move. And, still, get, and still get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? That would be huge. You have the most cap space in the NFL. And how many draft picks, first-rounders, think the Colts are going to have to give up? It would be unreal. I mean, it would be too much. It would be a, a hefty compensation, to say the least. So... Back to our conversation really just about Sean Payton, Denver Broncos, and Russell Wilson. You know, like I said before, if we had to really predict where we see certain quarterbacks going, I think Derek Carr might be in a Colts uniform. Um, You know, like you said, Aaron Rodgers to the Las Vegas Raiders or perhaps the San Francisco 49ers. But to get back on track really about the coaching hires and uh, what happened yesterday between Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryans, I do quickly want to talk about D'Amico Ryans. You mentioned both of you, that the Colts have the number four pick in this year's NFL draft. Will the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryan's new team, have the number two overall pick in this year's draft? Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith screwed up. Ryan, he, he really did, man. He knew he was out of there and said, 
man, screw this franchise. But Ryan's has that draft pick, a surplus of other draft picks, a lot of young talent ahead of him to really just try and turn this franchise around. They signed him for six years quickly, fellas, before we go to break. Do you think that Ryan's, I mean, he's very, very highly praised around the league. You saw what he did with that San Francisco 49ers defense. Do you think he has it in him in the next two, maybe three years to turn around this Texans franchise? I think they do. I think Bryce Young is a generational talent that we're not talking about enough. You're going to get it with the number two overall pick, and you're actually going to have a competent head coach to develop a quarterback. I'm going to agree with Sam, too. I didn't At first, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it felt like the Houston job has always been a – a death sentence for coaches. Like you, they'll bring you in for a year and they'll fire you the next and you're back at square one. But to see the praise, especially from the likes of JJ Watt, uh, who just announced his retirement this year, I think, and especially seeing the six year deal that they gave him, I think the Texans are all in. I'm also happy. Like, yo, it's another black coach in the NFL. Cause that's something that they still definitely need to fix. But I, I think that I, if they give D'Amico Ryan enough, I would say, like you said, the three, I'll say give it three years to see where it goes. I think Texas Houston might got something special. I agree with you. I mean, what he was able to do with that Niners defense this year, and really as a defensive player in the NFL himself, you talk to former teammates. They all loved the guy. He was the leader on the defense. He really helped motivate you know, some of those later years in his career on the Eagles and some of the prime years of his career on the Texans. He really helped motivate a lot of that defensive unit. And so I think he's doing the same thing with the defense he leads. It, it's... The, the stars align too much for me to believe otherwise. And so I agree with you guys in the sense that, you know, the next two to three years, I think he can turn it around if, you know, Houston just lets him do his thing. But the thing that really surprises me is the six-year signing. Now, not even really just that they signed D'Amico Ryans to six years, but franchises have a tendency to do this. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I'm not sure the exact amount he got last year, but it was more than one year. I can guarantee you that. I believe it was three if not more, it was at least three years for Nathaniel Hackett. Now, let's just say the D'Amico Ryan's project goes poorly. They give him a six-year contract, and they'll obviously just nip it in the butt and you know take their loss at that point. But why do NFL teams continue to do this? Why do they continue to hire these head coaches, these long-term deals, knowing dang well that if they aren't improving the team in two seasons, they're out of there? I don't get it. I don't get it either, Danny. Josh, what are your thoughts? I don't know. It's it, I, I I honestly don't. Know. I don't even have an answer. That usually I try to have an answer for everything, but that it's like I say. I feel like the Houston coach job, coaching mm-hmm. job has been for like has been like a death sentence for a lot yeah. of for a couple of years now. And like and they that, don't they don't give nobody opportunity or a chance to figure it out. And that's the only thing I can think of really. Like they want to instill confidence in Ryan's because of the you know head coach carousel that's been in Houston the past few years. Give him six years. Give him confidence going into this job and. You know, worst case scenario, you take your losses and, uh, re- you know, review what happened and fire them after two, three years. Now, I will I say this, though. I will only say this. The Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien breakup, along with the <laughs> Devontae, it was Devontae Adams, correct? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, I got the wrong name. Apologies. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. That breakup really set the franchise back a couple years because they had a franchise quarterback and a franchise wide receiver. That was probably going to carry them for the next decade or so. And that breakup sent them back a whole lot. The Laramie Tunsil trade as well. The draft yeah, picks they sent to Miami. One. I mean, that was pretty poor. A poor decision by Bill O'Brien. And, hey, he's back in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. So, we'll see if he burns that franchise to the ground with oh, Bill Belichick over God, there. Could you imagine if he does? Oh, my God. He If he 
perform poorly with his play calling on offense, he'll be out of there by midseason. I'm calling it right <laughs> now. That was the first mistake they ever made. Matt Patricia, you saw what he did in Detroit. They, what, what is making you hire that man aside they, from that he was in your system for Ed, They hired Joe Judge back. Mm-hmm. And that didn't pan out either. So, you know, a lot of questionable offensive coach or uh, pardon me offensive coordinator hirings over the past few years but these past two that had dropped yesterday the two head coach hirings Sean Payton to Denver and D'Amico Ryans to Houston I really do think both of these are going to work out now not saying at all it's going to work out in the next year next two years even I mean I think you, you better hope for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson that it works out in the next two years but Texans job is just a different narrative I think for Sean Payton he needs to have at least eight wins this year Eight wins. Yeah, I mean, that's a good bar to set it at, but I also feel like the Broncos know the talent they have. If they're not a playoff I, team this I think year— they got, I think they have six wins. I think they have six-win team this season, next season. And that's what's so unpredictable about this team, too, because you know the talent's there, you know the potential's there, and you know that the franchise obviously made all those moves in an attempt to make the playoffs again and make this a winning franchise, but it could all go poorly. And like you're saying, eight— Six, I could even say five wins if it goes bad enough. Like that, that would but, be crazy under a Sean Payton system. But do you, tra- would you actually fire Sean Payton? No, you traded all those assets away. You have to keep him for at least two years. And you got to keep both Russell and Sean Payton, and just keep hoping that they figured it out. Yeah, and Russ will obviously have a shorter leash than Payton will because you know he's been here one more year longer than Payton. Also, the assets they gave up for him, they'd be more, you know, they'd be less willing to just. Uh, apart from him like that, after all they gave up, at the same time, you when you decide between Peyton or Wilson, quarterbacks are interchangeable. When you get an all-time great head coach, you want to hold on to him for as long as you can, okay. I mean, especially after the Nathaniel Hackett disaster. You know, I want to say one more thing real quick, too, before because I know we got to go to break mm-hmm. soon, but I was shocked with the, that the Broncos were able to get Sean Payton because I legit believed that the Chargers was getting Sean Payton. I, I knew I knew when Dallas won against Tampa that oh, Mike McCarthy's staying, but yeah. when the Chargers choked against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm like, oh, it's a wrap for him. Yeah, I, I, it's not a bad prediction either, too, because when the season ended, I originally thought that you know after that collapse, it seemed like the job was just his to take. But once they hired Kellen Moore over the weekend, it was really just a matter of actually not even over the weekend, Monday morning. He was fired Sunday, hired Monday by the Chargers. <laughs> I think it's a matter of run it back with Staley and get another offensive mind in there and see if they can improve that offense. I Sam, last the, words before we get a break. I disagree with that move, what the Chargers said. They should have wiped staff. Staley is not a good head coach. I don't think so either, honestly. You get shot at Justin Herbert, you're going to Super Bowl. I mean, they won 10 games this year still, and we're saying he's not a great head coach. That's how talented this Chargers roster is. But you they can make an argument that they have the most talented roster in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. At least most talented offense, you can make the argument 100%. I mean, when you have Herbert, Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, I mean, it's the list goes on. Yeah, you're up there with one of the more talented offenses in the league. So I don't, uh, I don't necessarily agree with the Kellen Moore signing either. I think, like you said, they need to clear the staff, get Brandon Staley and all of his minions out of there. But they didn't. Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos, D'Amico Ryans to the Houston Texans for six years. And, well, we'll see how those projects pan out in the National Football League. As Josh alluded to, 
We'll have to head to break, but before we go to break, it's time to check the WGLS community calendar. The Samaritan Center is a program that helps Glassboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once per month. You can give back to your community by donating food, clothes, or by volunteering your time. Email glassborofoodbank at gmail.com or visit online at glassborofoodbank.org for more information. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for community news and information. Don't go anywhere. Our final segment here on this Wednesday edition of Offsides, our top five segment, top five players most likely dealt at the NBA trade deadline next Thursday. February 9th at 3 p.m. You're tuned into Offsides right here on RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. Grab a fistful of quarters and head on over to the 80s Arcade. Saturday mornings from 10 till noon on Rowan Radio. Come celebrate the decade of decadence with me, Lee Kirshner. Enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular hits. Oh, gnarly! It's a blast from the neon-colored past. It's the 80s Arcade, every Saturday morning starting at 10, right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, and also online at rowanradio.com. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in online at rowanradio.com channel 2. I'm your host, Danny Ryan. Typically, your host for every Monday edition of Offsides, but filling in for Aaron Hook on this fine Wednesday evening as we have five minutes, coincidentally, to hop into our top five segment of today's episode. It's going to be top five players most likely dealt at the NBA trade deadline next Thursday, February 9th at 3 p.m. And Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, Land, let me get my list. Uh, I got Fair it saved. Enough. Oh, wait, no. It's on my, I'm looking at my phone. It's on my freaking laptop. Apologies. All right. All right. Um, I don't got no particular order. Okay. But I got Derrick Rose, New York Knicks. I think he's going to go. Okay. The Knicks have been talking about shipping out Derrick Rose, especially they haven't been using him really. So I think Tibbs is, I think Tibbs is probably going to ship him out somewhere, let him finish, career, finish his careers off somewhere else. Probably get a, definitely probably going to get most likely either a third round draft pick. Late a third round draft pick for him or a player that's going to probably help fill in some spots for the Knicks. You mean a second round uh, draft pick? Second, I mean yeah, second round draft pick. Apologies. All good. Me. Uh, I got I a lot of Toronto players. I heard I think are going to be moved. I think Fred Fred Van Vliet because Toronto's last in the Atlantic Division. I, they might make the playoffs, maybe to play in, but I think they're definitely about to yeah. heading into a rebuild stage. Six games under um, five hundred right now. Yeah. So Fred Van Vliet, I got OG Anubi. Another Toronto player. Mm-hmm. I got your boy from the 76ers, too, Matisse Tybo. I've been hearing some stuff. Mm-hmm. To the I think he's Kings. on the move. I think he's on the move. I don't know where he's going to go, but I think Philadelphia is going to make a move sooner rather than later. And I got Sadiq Bey. And that's my last one. 
Okay, Sadiq Bay, not a bad option over from the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been floated around really since I would say a quarter of the way through the season. But, in, you know, the only guy we've ever seen moved or we have seen moved this season so far has been Rui Hachimura. And that was a name that really wasn't discussed a lot. That um, was a steal for the Lakers. That was a steal. 100%. And it's funny, too. Kendrick Nunn, the game after, looked like he primed John Wall over on the Wizards. But it was a steal, I think, personally. I think that if they can tap into just keeping that team healthy over in Los Angeles, that they'll make a serious push for the playoffs. Only three games out of the five seed and four games out of the four seed. It's crazy to think about it, considering they're two games below 500. So, you know, if they stay fully healthy with a newly acquired Rui Hachimura, we shall see. But Sam, take it away with your top five. I agree with some of Josh's top five. I also, just like Josh, do not have it in any particular order. Miles Turner. I've been seeing about a lot of trade rumors. Whoever could get Miles Turner would be an absolute steal. I also do agree with Josh. I see Derek Rose being in some trade rumors. I also have Andre Drummond. I don't there. hate that because I would love to see him back on the Philadelphia We were talking about there. There's a lot of rumors in the Philadelphia area that he'll be a sixer again. But do you think he? it would be weird having him back because they traded him to Brooklyn. Now he's at the Bulls. Back of the Sixers, but he loves the Philadelphia Sixers organization. I also have Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam. Now, mm. you're going to call me crazy for Pascal. If they say, the Raptors say, okay, we're going to go to full rebuild, just imagine the amount of draft picks they get for Pascal. Yeah, you're right, but at the same time, too, they have Scotty Barnes still over there in Toronto. So They might keep Pat Piasco. The yeah. Miles Turner one is an interesting one, too, because I originally thought that until I found out he had signed a, just, he signed a new contract yeah. with Indiana. They just signed him to an extension, too. So that, so, that's... Yeah, cause that was the rumor with the Lakers, because they were going to try and make a play for uh, Miles Turner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree with Josh here. I mean, Pascal is a bold take. It's not crazy to think because, you know, Basically every player, including Gary Trent Jr., is kind of on the block for the Raptors right now. But he was going. I was, he got, he's at six. Yeah, and you know when you kind of look at the foundation of that squad, you think of Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes kind of manning it down low. So I don't think that's as likely as Ananobi or a Van Vliet or you know Gary Trent Jr. would be. But it wouldn't be you know completely out of the realm of possibility. Did you say all five? I'm pretty sure I did. Okay, good. I'm just making sure because we got in the midst of conversation. All right, I'll take it away with my top five. I have some similar names in my top five, but I do have an order this time, unlike you slackers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with my honorable mention, Seth Curry of the Brooklyn Nets. Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. I mean, he basically, you could acquire him, and he could act as a J.J. Redick, but with a mid-range game if you were to acquire him. Now, I know it'll never happen. I'd love to see him back on the Philadelphia 76ers. Not happening, so... Sam's getting all mad over there as a Brooklyn Nets fan. I'd love to see Seth Curry in any other uniform. Number five, I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz's very own Jordan Clarkson. The Jazz, they're right at 500. They're a lot better than teams thought they were going to be this year. And, you know, it would surprise me to see Clarkson shipped out because of what Laurie Markkinen's been able to do and kind of bring that franchise on the rise. But I'm going to say he has a chance of being traded at this deadline next Thursday. And then number four, I'm going to go with a Bulls player, a Bulls center, in fact, but it's not Andre Drummond. Nikola Vucevic. Now, Ooh! they just acquired him, I believe, one or two years ago, and he's done pretty good over there. I mean, he's one of those guys that can dish out some assists in the big man position, but if they're going to start clearing shop, it's going to be him. It's going to be a guy like 
maybe a Zach Levine, who actually is number three on my list. Bulls' very own Zach Levine. The Bulls have underperformed greatly this year. There's a reason Andre Drummond's on the block. There's a reason Zach Levine's on the block. DeMar DeRozan's not going to want to stay there, and so I think it's just about time for them to fire Billy Donovan and go into full rebuild mode and try and just nail these draft picks. So number three, I have Zach Levine. What, Don't Sam? forget Lonzo is still there, too. Exactly. What, what do you have to say, finish, Sam? Finish, finish, finish. Right. I got a question about this list. We don't have much time, so get in as soon as you can. Number two, I have a Raptor, Fred Van Vliet. We talked about really the Raptors not performing well this year. Six games under 500 at 23 and 29. I just don't see it really turning around at this point in the season. So Fred Van Vliet, any team would be dying for a guard with his range and his playmaking abilities. So he's my number two. And number one, OG Ananobi. I put him at number one because of his size, because of his scoring ability, and because of his defense. When you have a small forward on the block like that at his age, rising with his potential, you know, where he could go in, in this league if he has really a, a main role. I mean, prime example, look at Jeremy Grant. It took a while for his game to really be polished and fine-tuned. He goes to the Detroit Pistons, and I'm not saying this to treat him to a, you know, a bum squad, but when or if Ananobi would be the main focal point on an offensive team, I think he could be an absolute dog. And so that's my top five. Honorable mention, Seth Curry, five, Jordan Clarkson, four, Nikola Vucevic, three, Zach Levine, two, Fred Van Vliet, and one, OG Ananobi. Honestly, solely because I've seen his name floated around the most, but they're asking, I believe the asking price is three first-round picks for OG Ananobi. In yeah, the, they, they want a lot. That's why it, he could possibly get for it, but the way it's just... And more, actually. Uh, the Knicks offered three first-round picks for him, and they declined it. So they want three and more. Like, they want to quite literally get all of the compensation they need to rebuild this team from the ground up. And now, Sam, before we end today's show, what do you have to say to me about Zach Levine? First of all, the Knicks will be—the Raptors will be crazy not to accept that trade. Also, do you really think the Nets are trading Seth Curry? I do. I mean, I think that— you know, they're shopping a few guys on the team, Patty Mills. They were already admitted to be shopping Seth Curry if they get the right compensation back. That team needs defense, man. That I mean, yeah, The only defensive player that the Nets have, Sam, is only Ben Simmons, and that's not saying a lot. They that's need not saying defense a lot. I think, and, with, and with Watanabe's emergence off the bench, I mean, you have a shooter like Seth Curry, if not better. I don't think it's Curry. I think it's Mills that's traded. And you really think Zach Levine's going to get traded? I don't think so. I mean, we listen. see his name. Every year. It's, okay, the Zach Levine one I like because it's either going to be Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. Both of them yeah. are not staying. One's leaving. And I, and I thought about putting De, DeRozan on my list, but I really just see it being Levine because, well, if they're going to start the rebuild at some point, they might as well get rid of their best young player and just get the most draft picks they can. Now, I don't know if it's certainly going to happen this year, but the Bulls, they've been talking about really shipping these stars off all season long. You take a look at where they are in the East. I mean, 23 and 27, only four games under, but yet again, I'll say it. The East is looking much better than the West, one. And two, at this point in the season, I think it's too late to turn things around for the Chicago Bulls. So that's my list. That'll wrap up our top five segment here on this Wednesday, February 1st edition of Offsides. Once again, I've been your host, Danny Ryan. They've been Sam Prince and Josh Counts. We thank you so much for tuning in on this Wednesday evening. Make sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on RowanRadio.com Channel 2 for more and the latest news in professional sports in the professional sports world and more episodes of Offsides. Thank you all for tuning in, and have a great night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports. 
featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.